Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is a recording of the Key Row Film Society. Um, I have not recorded for probably, oh, I'd say probably since July or so. It's been quite a while. Um, I decided I want to do a recording today because this last week, this past couple days, I was down in Kansas City, Missouri uh, for... Uh, Planet Comic Con, and as such, um, I'm going to do kind of a reaction to the comic convention and also to the movie The Black Panther, uh, which I saw last night um, on my way back home. So, to get started here is just a couple days ago, Thursday night, um, I went when I got done with uh, everything here at home, uh, I took a drive down to uh, Kansas City, Missouri for Planet Comic Con. Uh, first off, I'll note is I it was in Kansas City, and I was like I said, and uh, I stayed at the Holiday Inn down there. It's called the Holiday Inn Aladdin or something like that. It's right downtown. Uh, very nice location in terms of going to the convention. It was a very short walk to the convention. It's not that far of a walk from. Uh, some of the nightlife in Kansas City. And one thing I will say is Kansas City as a city, um, I've never actually spent any significant time there. Uh, I did go to a Chiefs-Broncos game a few years ago. But otherwise, pretty much i just driven through Kansas City. I haven't really done that much in it. And so it was my first experience of downtown Kansas City. And I will say it's actually a pretty, ni pretty nice city. Um... It's got some pr pretty neat things there, and um, it was a nice hotel, pretty good, pretty good service, and all that. But the convention itself, the comic book convention, Planet Comic Con, is a co convention. It's one of the biggest ones in the Midwest, and um, I think from what I've read online somewhere, it averages around 60,000 people per year, uh, which is pretty significant compared to some of the... It's up there with some of the other bigger cons. I mean, it's definitely not up there with like San Diego or uh, New York or even C2E2. Uh, but 60,000 is pretty good. And uh, the thing that really stands out with this convention is that it truly takes to heart the fact that it's a comic con. That it is a comic book convention. And I say that because uh, this is the third, third comic book convention I've been to. Um, or should I say third different one. So I've been to um, three Des Moines Wizard Worlds, and I also went to the Wizard World in Chicago, and now that I've been now I've been to Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. So those have been my comic book conventions, and uh, Wizard World started out kind of as a comic book magazine back in the '90s, and I don't know how far back it goes, but I. I remember reading a lot of its issues, and I still have some of them uh, stored away somewhere. But um, it was about comic books. But when the Wizard World convention began, it's kind of now more of a pop culture convention. And so they have their comic book creators, but it's really not a major element to what they do. Their major element is on the pop culture. And so they try to get all these celebrities in. But the thing is, is that... Planet Comic Con is their emphasis on comic books, and boy, did they pull that off um, with some of the guests that they had here. Uh, 
I'm going to pull it up here just briefly. So, uh, Planet Comic Con, here are some of the guests that they had. So, look at the creator guests. They're comic book people. You have uh, Jason Aaron, who's worked a lot on Star... Works a lot on Star Wars now. Has done a few notable um, uh, Marvel titles. Uh, I got an autograph of his for my original Sin title, um, which had a really nice cover. Um, he works on that. Neil Adams is the a legendary, absolutely legendary Batman artist. Uh, probably the most definitive Batman artist of the of the eighties. He's he was he played a pivotal pivotal role in the creation of the character Rachel Ghoul, who was the main villain in the movie Batman Begins. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Brian Azzarello works on worked on Dark Knight Three. You have uh, Marguerite Bennett, a major worker on Batwoman. Mark Brooks, very very gifted artist, works for Marvel. Greg Capullo is the current primary artist on uh, on Batman and the Batman titles. Let's see here. I'm just kind of scrolling through this list here. Uh, Dave Dorman, another Star Wars. Patrick Gleason, he's a very, very big um, worker on Superman titles, especially Superman Wonder Woman. Uh, has some really good titles, really good art, good artwork. Work. And actually, I think um, the badge... So I got a VIP badge, and I'm going to talk about the VIP pass in a little bit. But um, I got a VIP badge, and I'm pretty certain that many of those VIP badges were adorned with artwork by Patrick Gleason. I did. I do actually have uh, one of his comic books. When I saw the art, I recognized it right away. He's a pretty good, pretty gifted artist. He has a unique, a very notable style. Uh, Jonathan Glapian works on The Dark Knight. I mean, works on many of the Batman titles. Uh, works with uh, Capullo. Uh, Phil Hester, he's a guy that works on Batman Beyond. He's from Iowa. Uh, very good, very good um, artist. Uh, Dennis Hopeless, he wrote um, a really, really, really good series I read. It was called Avengers Arena, um, Avengers Undercover. Both very strong titles. I absolutely, not many people read them, but boy, were they good. They were very, very good stories. Um, sor sorely underrated. I mean, the critics loved it. The people that did read it. Um, Dan Jurgens is very, very notable because he wrote probably one of the most famous uh, Superman stories of all time, namely the death of Superman, and uh, that came out in nineteen in ninety three, I believe. Uh, one of the those black bags and the um, very very famous title. He wrote it. He did the artwork. I think he did the coloring. He did a lot of work for Superman in the nineties. I mean, he did almost the full thing. Uh, Tom King uh, right now is the primary writer for the for Batman. Uh, Let's see, Aunt Lucia, he does the DC bombshells. Uh, Clay Mann, he's done some Batman work. Uh, just kind of, Tony Moore, he's the artist for The Walking Dead. The, I mean, he's been doing the artwork for Walking Dead for a long time. Uh, Robert Kirkman was the first writer for Walking Dead. Tony Moore was the first uh, um, artist. Uh, Andy Parks works on Batman Beyond. Uh, let's see here. Keep going through here. Scott Snyder is the lead writer um, 
for Batman right now. He did Batman Eternal, the Batman series. He's right now working on Batman Metal, and soon he's going to be uh, jumping ship to the Justice League. So, I mean, these are the guys that were there. I mean, some really big uh, creator names in current comic books, and then with Neil Adams um, and Dan Jurgens, you got two guys. You got with Dan Jurgens, you got a major writer of the '90s. With Neil Adams, you got a major writer of the '70s and the '80s, uh, or I should say, artist. Um, Danny O'Neill tended to write with uh, Neil Adams, but uh, like I said, it's it truly carries the name of Comic Con, of a comic book convention. But here's the thing: is even though it's a comic book convention, um, and they really get these good creators, they also bring in the celebrities. Um, for professional wrestling, they brought in Sting, who, if you're a WCW, if you're a fan of World Championship Wrestling from, you know, back in the 90s, Sting was, I mean, outside of Rick, him and Ric Flair are a very close race as to the, for the most significant name out of WCW. And I think Sting might slightly hold that title because unlike... Ric Flair, he never jumped ship to WWE until WCW had been gone for over almost a de over a decade, and so um, I mean he did go to NWA, the uh, not NWA but TNA. He did go to there, but otherwise, you know he's he's WCW. He's WCW through and through. Like the Undertaker is pretty much um, all WWE. Um, and I know he worked with WCW for a little bit, but he's big, big portion of his career has been WWE. Uh, Kevin Conway, the voice of Batman, was there. And absolutely, I mean, if you ever go to these comic conventions and Kevin Conway is there, sit in on his panel. The guy is so interesting. Uh, I mean, yes, he does, sometimes he does the Batman voice and he does... I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. You know, he says that. It's cool. Um, but he's in interesting to hear him explain and expand upon uh, how he came up with the voice. Now, I, I got to hear him when I went to Chicago, Wizard World in Chicago, um, but I did not get to hear him this year. This is my one, one of my complaints on Planet Comic Con was... I don't know why they, who did this, whose idea this was, or maybe they just overlooked it, they weren't thinking, whatever it was. They put Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, from Batman the Animated Series, from the Dark Knight uh, trilogy of video games, um, and a number of other direct-to-DVD animated stuff. He is the voice of Batman for so many people. They scheduled him at the same time they did the VIP for Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and um, Jonathan Glapian, who are the trio of the biggest trio of Batman workers of the last decade, and put those guys on at the exact same time is just bad scheduling. I was so bummed I did not get to sit on Kevin Conroy. I know I've heard him before, but uh, he's worth listening to, and. So that's if I have a complaint is that somebody should have looked at that. It's like it's been like putting Michael Rooker in at the same time as uh, King Ezekiel and or Sonequa and and I'm going to talk about those guys a little bit. But putting two Walking Dead people together at the same at the same time, it's foolish. You're, the people are going to go to Walking Dead characters are Walking Dead people fans. So don't put Batman fan. Don't split Batman fans. It's just 
not smart. I know Batman's huge, and he could afford it. But anyways, um, they got a number of voice actors, and the voice actors... If you, if you ever bring kids to these comic book conventions, to things like Wizard World, Planet Comic Con, whatever, bring your kids to the voice actors. Like, um, I'm looking at here, you had Jim Cummings there. Um, one that I've seen at other conventions. I'm kind of quick scrolling down. Uh, Charles Martinet, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, but he voices Mario and Luigi on some of the cartoons and video games. Both of those two... Um, those guy, type of guys are great for kids, and they'll do the voices just on the fly like that. Uh, Kevin Conroy, contractually with Warner Brothers, is not allowed to do the voice, sadly. Um, but uh, it's still kind of a treat to hear it when he does get to. Uh, Alice Cooper was there. Uh, John Cusack. Uh, Lita from the WWE. Um, Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. Jason David Frank and A.B. Joe Johnson, both of whom... Our Power Rangers, so the Green Ranger and the Pink Ranger. Uh, Will Friedel uh, for Boys Meets World. Pom Clementiev, I think that's how you pronounce it, from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Matthew Lewis from Harry Potter, known as better as uh, Neville Longbottom. Uh, Sonequa Martin-Green from Walking Dead. Kari Payton from Walking Dead. Michael Rooker. Jason Momoa from... Uh, Justice League, Aquaman from Game of Thrones, Stargate, uh, Trish Stratus, probably one of the most, uh, probably one of the best women's wrestlers in the history of the WWE, um, Mark Shepard and Alan Tudyk, two, uh, Firefly actors, I mean, you had Danny Trejo, I mean, huge list of celebrity guests, entertainment guests, so even though they definitely had the focus on the comic book industry, and they really did good at that. They still had a pretty good share of entertainment celebrities. And so they did a very good show. They brought a really good variety of guests. Um, the convention center in Kansas City, it's, it's huge. It is absolutely huge. And, they, and so there's a lot of walking. My, um, I got a smartwatch uh, Google Galaxy S3 smartwatch, which, by the way, if you're looking for a good smartwatch, I love it. Um, it kind of looks, it even looks kind of like a real watch. But anyways, um, just going by that, my my step total just skyrocketed uh, just by walking around and looking at all the different booths. And like any comic book convention or a pop culture convention, you have all kinds of vendors, uh, comic book vendors, uh, memorabilia vendors. Uh, artwork, t-shirts, pop vinyl figures, uh, cosplay items. I mean, there's so, so much stuff there. It, um, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun to see it and seeing people cosplaying. Um, and I don't think there's as much cosplaying because I think especially some of them might not be as friendly to uh, weather in February. Maybe that's the reason. But there are some pretty good cosplayers going around. Um, I saw somebody was dressed up as Darkwing Duck, which was kind of impressive. Uh, but all altogether, it was a pretty well-run con, a comic book convention. Uh, the celebrities that I met, so I'm going to go kind of through some of the ones I got to visit with. Uh, let's see, creator guests. So going back to that list. Uh, Jason Aaron, I got his autograph. Neil Adams. Neil Adams is always up for a conversation every time I've been there, and I... Um, I saw him sitting there and talking with uh, this guy who was in a wheelchair and 
uh, he was re- you know was talking to him very empathetically and uh, just a really good guy. Uh, let's see here, uh, Greg Capullo. He's a he's an Italian and he admittedly falls into some of those stereotypes. Uh, but kind of like Neil, it's kind of interesting. So I listened to Fat Man on Batman quite a, throughout the years and especially the early years. And in the early years of Fat Man and Batman, they had episodes with both Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. And it's kind of interesting. You, I thought that Denny O'Neill would be by far the more interesting of the two. Well, he wasn't. And it turned out it was Neil Adams. And the reason I thought Denny O'Neill would be the more interesting was because Denny O'Neill is the writer. He wrote all these great, incredible stories. Uh, had this incredible, you know, these um, incredible character arcs. And so you figure, oh, he's going to have something really interesting to say. And Neil Adams, he's the artist, and I figured, okay, he's not going to ha- have as much. Well, as it turns out, Neil Adams, and Denny O'Neill's quite a bit of an introvert. And you could tell he's kind of uneasy with it. Denny o- Neil Adams, on the other hand, is a hard extrovert. He can just talk and talk and talk and talk. Similar kind of uh, thing with uh, Greg Capullo and S- Scott Snyder who are right now the current, like I said, the major writer and artist for the Batman comic books. And so they did Batman for a long time. They did Batman Eternal. And now they're working on Batman Metal, Dark Knight's Metal, sorry, until uh, they make the jump over to the Justice League. And it's kind of interesting looking at this. And, like, he had the same dynamic going. Snyder is definitely a bit more of an introvert. It's a little harder. For, he can talk. He can make conversation, but you can tell it doesn't come as natural for him. Uh, whereas Greg Capullo was able to keep control of it. Um, Glapian, he was also there, but you could definitely tell the guy was exhausted, and that happens. Um, he wasn't mean or rude or anything. He was just tired, and, you know, we're human. We all have those days. Uh, let's see here. Some of the creators... Um, Phil Hester wasn't actually there. I forgot. I did mention him earlier, but he wasn't actually there. Uh, he he had an, he had a situation, so he wasn't able to make it. But he's an Iowa born. He's an Iowa native, so I should be able to get to see him at Wizard World in Des Moines. Uh, Dennis Hopeless, as I mentioned, I got to talk to him. It was great because I was able to talk to him about uh, you know how much I appreciated the Avengers Arena and Avengers Undercover and. Uh, he was really good. He was able to talk. He was really good about talking about it. So a very good conversationalist. Uh, let's see here. There's not. There's one. Okay, Todd Aaron Smith was one of the guys I talked to very end of it. Uh, he is. He was an artist on uh, Batman of the animated series, and he created this. He did this. Uh, uh, this, you know, portrait, this drawing that you did on the site, and it's a drawing of Batman. And maybe I can, if you were to follow me on any uh, Instagram or something like that, you can see I might put it up. But it's a really nice, quick pencil, you know, pencil sketch, and just a really cool little drawing. And the thing why it kind of stood out to me was because he was actually selling these for. Um, a charity, and I'm trying to see if I can't find the name of it. I might send out an email and see if I can kind of track down that information. But he uses it to, um, he was selling it to support a charity for um, people, for 
and their children in Africa in an African nation with extreme poverty and you know you can't help but not support something like that and so it was really cool to be able to buy that um, and support a good cause and then I went over and got it signed by Kevin Conroy which made it extra cool so uh, so there's kind of some stuff on some of the writers um, some of the creative guests media guests I did not get to so Jason Momoa was there uh, but I did not get to meet him. I saw him for a moment, but I did not get to meet him. There's a huge group for him. Uh, I plan to go see him in uh, June when they have the uh, Wizard World down in Des Moines because he's going to be one of the major guests there. So I'll probably I'll just wait until then. Uh, Kevin Conroy, as I mentioned before, I've met him a couple times now. He, he's always just a really nice guy. You can tell he just loves being it. Being there, he enjoys talking with the fans. He enjoys giving back. Um, just a really class act. And so it was fun to uh, meet him. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Will Friedel, uh, really nice guy. Uh, Amy Jo Johnson, when I got to her, she seemed to be kind of tired. Uh, and I don't, Or maybe a little zoned out or whatever. Um... Uh, She's a lot shorter than I realized she was. That was one thing that stood out. Um, fun thing that Atlanta Comic Con did. This is something that I think would be kind of neat to see some of the other comic conventions do this. So I went to, um, like I said, I got to Wizard World Des Moines and Wizard World Chicago. And when I sit in on the panels, they're usually hosted uh, by like a radio jockey or whatever from, from in town, which... I guess that's fun for the radio guy. But what what they do in Planet Comic Con, I think it's kind of cool, is that they had Claire Kramer, uh, who was from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Bring It On. So if you're a Buffy fan like me, uh, she played Glory in Season 5. She was the, the big bad villain. And so she was the one that interviewed um, a few of the panels that I sat in on. And uh, I thought that was a cool idea. And she... She was really good at it. She had fun with it. She had some good questions. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a nice little um, way to go about it. Uh, I met Sonequa Martin Green. I uh, got to get her an autograph from her. She plays Sasha um, on The Walking Dead. She's also on Star Trek Discovery, which I've not watched anything of yet. But after listening to the panel, I kind of feel like I might need to wa might want to watch it. But a uh, really sweet girl, really sweet lady. Um really passionate and truly genuinely you could tell she loved hearing from her fans and hearing from people about how she impacts them and there's one and one really cool moment when I was in the sitting in on the panel was there's a guy that was there he was a, a he's a, he was a sniper in the military and he said that there was a, a moment with Sasha in um, a season Walking Dead. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. That he 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 made the mention that you know that you showed everyone what it's like to come back home as a sniper in the military, and um, she kind of broke down hearing that story, and I thought that was a really cool moment, and uh, so a really nice person, uh, Kari Payton, who plays uh, King Ezekiel. Uh, on The Walking Dead. Uh, got Again, got his autograph, sat in on his panel. He was there with um, with Sasha, with uh, Sonequa. And 
again, very good panel, very interesting listening to him. And and you could tell that this guy is like a real fan of The Walking Dead, when that makes which makes it fun. And uh, when I met him, got his autograph, he was really good, he talked. And he, he actually kind of gave a cool little autograph, like did a little uh, tiger paw print as part of the autograph, which is kind of cool. Uh, Michael Rooker, I met him before, but his panels are always extremely entertaining. If you ever go to a comic convention... Go sit in on Michael Brooker. He is so entertaining. Uh, he goes out into the audience and just messes around with people. And <laughs> he's very blunt at times. Like, I, I remember, like, when somebody asked him, uh, of, your th of your roles, these roles, which did you prefer? Uh, Slither, Guardians of the Galaxy, or Walking Dead? He's like, well, let me give you a hint. Guardians of the Galaxy made me more money than Walking Dead or Slither made me combined. So, there's your answer. I thought that was kind of blunt. It was fun. Uh, so, he was, a, he was a good one to listen to. Uh, very entertaining. And then, uh, Tris Stratus, I, yeah, I got her autograph. And she was very, you know, good conversationalist. Uh, got to talk to her about the Royal Rumble. And really, when she was in it... Uh, back in G at the end of January. So very nice to talk to. So it was altogether a good comic convention, and I hope to I do plan to go there next year. It's going to be the end of March. Uh, and I did get the VIP Fast Pass. If you go to that Comic-Con, go get the Fast Pass. Your, your legs and your feet will thank you so much because one of the things I've learned at comic conventions is, you know, I like... I mean, these celebrities, I go, I, it's cool to be able to meet them, to get their autographs... But one thing they are notoriously bad about is coming so late for their panel for their autograph sessions. And so you just stand there and stand there. And I'm a person I got planner's fasciitis. You can look it up online to see what that is. And it is it could get so painful. Like Chicago, um, their lines were I don't know what it is about Chicago compared to Planet Comic Con, but the Chicago lines are so much worse. And I could barely walk for about a week after it. So going to Planet Comic Con using fast that fast pass, you know, so many times I'd be one or two, three, first or second, third in line. And yes, it was more money, but the amount what I saved on my feet made it so incredibly worth it. I could walk today. I don't feel soreness in my feet. And so it was it's so worth the money. So if you ever go to those things, take advantage of it. It's expensive, yes. And you may not be there for all three days, but the lack of time you wait in the lines is worth it. And yes, you still have to wait some time, which is great to talk with people. And one thing that's great with Planet Comic Con, almost all the lines, their volunteers were so nice and they're very good conversationalists. But, and so, like I said... Get the fast pass if you can, if you can afford it. Just get it. It'll, you'll be grateful that you did. So that's my thoughts on Planet Comic Con. So when I came back from Planet Comic Con, you know, I drove back. Uh, it was a fairly nice day drive back. Uh, got some Chick-fil-A on the way back. I was planning to get a bigger, nicer meal, but never did. On a side note, I don't know I don't know which town it was in or where I was at, but where that exit ramp to get to Chick-fil-A, that was the most complicated exit I have ever seen in my life just to get some Chick-fil-A. 
I don't know where it was, but it was on the north side of Kansas City on Interstate 29. It was so frustrating. But anyways, um, when I came back, I went to the movie Black Panther. And if you notice at the very beginning of this podcast, you heard me, heard a little bit of the music from the movie Black Panther. Black Panther is getting a lot of press right now. And the reason, part of the reason is the critics are just raving about it. Um, right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 97%, averaging 8.2 out of 10. And I think that is actually almost the perfect score for it. Um, given what I saw of it last night, 292 reviews in, 97%. That is astounding. It's one of the best reviewed movies of the year. And it is a good, good movie. I was a little nervous because the way the press was gushing over it. I'm going to get more to that in a little bit here. Um, box office-wise, it made $192 million um, on the opening weekend, which is one of the biggest of all time. Second biggest in the history of Marvel. Only thing bigger was uh, the first Avengers movie. Um, you know, I'm sure that Avengers Infinity War is going to bypass both of them. But still, you know, extreme, very impressive. Um, and I was even seeing a statistic that apparently it broke records at 83 different AMC theaters. 83 AMC theaters have broke their records for ticket sales on any given movie through two or three days at, uh, on the Black Panther. And that's, that is very impressive. And the... And here's the thing is, the critics, when I was reading it, when it first came out in the reviews, they are making it sound like, they called it the most profound superhero movie they've ever seen. The first one that's ever made them think about anything, and stuff like that. And I didn't agree with that. I mean, I kind of got a little worried about that, because, and what I've realized, having seen it, is I know why they said it. Because I don't think it's in that level. It's not on that degree. I mean, just a year ago, the movie Logan came out, which was a was a comic book movie. Um, it was done by Fox Studios. It was not Marvel, but it was a it was a comic book movie, and that movie was ju just phenomenal. And still to this point, I am still thinking. I honestly think that Logan was the best superhero movie ever made. And it's now that's been out for a year. I don't feel like it's um, heat of the moment talk. I honestly think it's better than even The Dark Knight. That being, and so, or even even Spider-Man 2, which I absolutely love. It's, you know, in terms of thought-provoking, and Logan had that. Um, Captain America Civil War, Captain America Winter Soldier had things to think about. Um, all the Batman movies have. Um, all the Christopher Nolan ones, they had stuff to chew on. They just didn't spoon-feed it to you. Uh, Black Panther's things that say to you, but it's just, it's kind of spoon-feeding it. I would say that. So I'm not going to call it the most profound movie in terms of thought or ideas. But that's not to say the movie isn't good. The movie is genuinely a good movie. And I'm going to say it is, but what it is, is it's an important movie. Very, very important. There are certain movies in the history of cinema that are significant. And this, I think, is a top one. I think this is more significant than Wonder Woman. 
this. And I know Wonder Woman fell into the political thing because people kept on talking about how Wonder Woman was the best superhero movie of the year. The same thing because it fell right into the politics of so many people. And so it was the biggest movie of the year. It was, a big, it was considered the biggest movie by so many. But I'm like, this isn't the best superhero movie this year. I mean, it's toe-to-toe with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I don't think it was... I think it was... I mean, Thor Ragnarok might have been better. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say at this moment. Uh, but Logan was definitely better than it. And so I kind of had troubles saying that. And so... And because it was the first... is a major superhero movie with a female lead, it was significant. And I, I get that. But I don't think it was as profound as what Black Panther was. And this is... Because the Black Panther... This is something I can't totally... This is why I can't appreciate it to the full extent as many people are going to. This I'm not. This does not change whether or not the movie is good. Alright, the movie is good whether whatever race you are. Or bad. Now you're going to appreciate things in it. Like you're going to appreciate lines or dialogue or art or something like that. You might appreciate things I wouldn't. But... What makes it profound is it's a it's a, it is a very good movie. It's a fun movie. It's got great action. It's well written. It's got a strong score. And kind of in a moment of irony, it's got a token white guy instead of the token black guy. Um, the token white guy happens to be the guy that's famous for playing Bilbo Baggins in the Hobbit movies, um, played by Martin Freeman. But. The movie is pretty almost all African American actors, or, or I should say not African American, but black actors. Some of them are actually, I think, some of them might actually be African born. So, and that I think makes the movie. That's what makes the movie groundbreaking and significant. And the sad thing is, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't take this long for that good of a movie to come out of all with people who are all black, with mo- mostly black. It should not take this long. I mean, the first super significant superhero movie was Superman back in 1978. Since then, we've had so many. I mean, how many Marvel movies have we seen? You know, since 2008, or 2000, was it, yeah, 2008 when Iron Man came out. So many of them. And I mean, they're all good. And I mean, the best we've seen is a side role out of, you know, f- the out of Falcon. I mean, otherwise, we have not, and Black Panther, but we have not seen a full-on African-American character movie. I mean... And yes, I know Blade has come out and he was the lead African, African-American. He was an African-American. He's a superhero. He's the lead actor. But he was surrounded by white guys in that one. He was almost surrounded by white guys in the second and third one as well. And same thing happened with the movie Hancock that people bring out. Black Panther was almost all black. It's like, how did it take that long for that to happen. On the way home, I was listening to uh, a podcast 
of Fat Man and Batman, a little bit more recent one. It was a discussion between uh, Kevin Smith and... Oh, I can't think of the name of the guy. It's sad that he's the one I can't think of because he's the one I almost always agree with. I almost always disagree with Kevin Smith. Uh, I gotta quick, I'll quickly look this up. Okay, the guy's name is Mark Bernardin. That's the guy that I was trying to think of. But Mark Bernardin, he's a guy I almost always agree with him. And there's this discussion between him and um, Kevin Smith. He's talking a lot about gender swap, or not gender, race swapping to create more characters, taking more characters are traditionally white and turning them black. And he said he really would like to see a black uh, Batman, especially like to see Idris Elba uh, play Bruce Wayne. And Mark fired back at him. His argument was exactly what I was thinking as Kevin Smith was saying it. That, first off, it doesn't make sense for the Batman character. Bruce Wayne is a generational, wealthy man in the United States. There is no such thing amongst the African Americans in this country because of the, because of the course of our history. Now, there are, prob there are countries around the world where that could work, but in the United States, it doesn't work as a storyline. And so, there's that. And then I like the fact that he said the best thing is for African, is to be, to have original characters who are black. And that has always been my thought. And I know that that's, I know that's harder. Yes, it's harder. But you have to remember, in 1963, there were hardly any superheroes. There were very, very few of them. And all of a sudden, in 1963... I mean, okay, there's the DC ones. But, I mean, at one point, there was hardly anything. And then all of a sudden, they just came out all over. Why are so many of them white? It's, it's a very simple understanding. If I, I'm going to be telling you this. If I were to create a story about a superhero, I was going to invent my own superhero, more than likely, that character is going to be white. Not because I don't think black people can be superheroes, but because I'm white. I write to my, we tend to write to our own experiences. And that's why so many of the characters are white, is because they're written by white actors. If we want there to be movies with black leads of African American actors, and not just African-American. What about Asians? Asians are even worse underrepresented. Or Hispanic. You know, or Latino, I mean. You know, there's, there, there's a variety of races and cultures that are truly underrepresented in film. And the reason I think this is actually important is because I'm a huge fan of superheroes. I'm of belief that they should be, the kids should listen to them. Could, should read comic books, watch these movies. And the reason is, is because they're like the old stories of the knights and ages past. Reading these superheroes, they read about these characters, these people that saw something is wrong in their world, and they rose up and they did something. And they need, And for me, I've been privileged to grow up and read the story about you know, read about Batman and Superman and Wolverine, you know, Spider-Man, all these characters that are white like me fighting, you know, against the villains and saving the day. They look, I mean, other than being skinnier, <laughs> they look like me. For women, they don't have someone. 
little gr girls don't get to see somebody that looks like them. People who are black, Hispanic, or Hispanic, Latino, Asian, they don't get to see that. They don't get to see that inspiration. Because that's what cinema does. That's what good art does. It inspires you to do something, to be somebody. Maybe to be another artist, but it might be to be to sit, be a hero in some way, even if it is to your children one day. It inspires you. And it leads you to do things you wouldn't do otherwise. But for the only people who have been seeing it are white people, like me. And I mean, yes, many can, you know, they can transfer it and try to, you know, be colorblind. And hopefully one day that happens. But at this point, we look at what looks like us. We want to see somebody who looks like the guy I see in the mirror. And actually, to be fair, maybe there needs to be some bigger guys in movies. I mean, I don't. I think it's probably going to be hard to sell them to be the these athletic ninja guys. But maybe they have that another role. You know, I I did not like in Suicide Squad that they were they would. They with with a skinny version of um, Amanda Waller, because I liked the big Amanda Waller. I mean, it was kind. Of, it's a moment where you could see that the strong woman, that could the strong, proud African American woman standing up to people like Batman. You know, Batman's a good guy, but she has the confidence and the guts to stand up to somebody like him. And she's smart. She is a hero of her own kind. You know? And I wish we need to see more representation. More diversity of different kinds. And it's going to come through creating. By having writers who look like this. To have African American writers. To have women writers. When you have more of these types. You're going to see more of these characters. More of these stories. And more of the inspiration that we need in literature, in film. And Black Panther did that in spades for those who are black. That is why it's doing so good. And I think, I mean, even though it really, on the list of greatest superhero movies ever made, I don't think it's, I don't know where it would rank, honestly. If I were to do a list, I don't know how far it would rank. But I believe it deserves the box office numbers it's getting. Because it is doing something that sadly no other superhero movie had done to date. And that is representing a people that aren't represented. And what I think what's and I think the very end of the movie, and I, what I'm telling you it's not really a spoiler, I don't think. Um, I'll probably do a spoiler-rich review, you know, when it comes out on DVD. But the end of the movie was Wakanda, these Wakandians, which is where Black Panther comes from. They're building this science place to inspire young African Americans. That's exactly what that movie is. Exactly what it's about. And I think it's a great... It is a good movie. And um, I hurry, encourage you to go see it. And 
But you sit in there. If you're you're white like I am, sit in there. And put yourself in the shoes of somebody who has never seen themselves represented in those movies. And I think you'll find yourself appreciating it a whole heck of a lot more than you did before. Otherwise. If you are Hispanic, if you're Asian, if you're another group that is underrepresented, keep waiting and hoping. I, I hope that we see more of this. And we need creations. Because that's the thing about Black Panther. He was always black. He's a strong character in a strong movie that was black. He, was, he did not have to hop on the shoulders of the white man, of a white man character, in order to succeed. Black Panther has existed since the 60s. He was the first black superhero. And... I mean, he's existed since then. He didn't need the help of... He was popular as he was, as he is. And they showcase that. And I'm going to go more into that again. Like I said, I'm going to go more into that movie when it comes out on DVD. Um, I encourage, go see it. Really do support it. And hopefully, I'm hoping Hollywood's looking at what's happening... And they just start pushing it. And I don't want to see them um, race swapping or gender swapping. I mean, like Spider-Man. Yes, you got to... If anything, bring a Miles Morales. That's an obvious. Do a Miles Morales movie. You know, bring him in somehow. And do it without having to kill the current Peter Parker. I kind of like the kid. So figure out a way to do it that they're both... They coexist at least for a little while. But Miles Morales is a great character who is multi-racial. And that's something you don't see a lot of film. Horribly underrepresented. People who are part black, part white, or part his Latino, part black, such as the case with Miles Morales, are horribly misrepresented. They're, they're the one, they suffer racism more than just about anybody, pretty much anybody. And to see what, somebody like that being a hero, and the thing is, is we need this. We need to see that. Last Wednesday, we saw a horrible thing happen in this country. Again, a mass shooting. And at a high school in Florida, if you're listening, you probably know about this. It's another mass, it's, it's the second mass, major mass shooting in Florida. I mean, it's only been a few months where we see mass shootings like this. We saw that one in Vegas. We had the one at the at the school in Texas. I mean, those were just a few months ago. That was just back in October and November. This stuff just keeps happening. I don't have an answer. I know some people think gun control is, and honestly, I don't believe guns are the answer. One way or the other. I don't think... More gun laws are going to change, and I don't think looser. And the reason I don't is because I looked at the evidence. You look at nations around the country, around the world, and you look at the countries that have the strictest gun laws, and the countries have the loosest gun laws, and you compare them to the murder rates by guns, and there's no correlation. It has no effect one way or the other. There's... Then you have... Um, people that argue for 
you know, think, well, maybe movies like Black Panther or Punisher came out back in uh, November on Netflix and stuff like that. And people look at that and say, maybe that's the reason. Maybe it's the violent video games and violent movies. But here's the thing is, violent movies and violent video games have pretty much accelerated over the last 20 years. And yet the murder rate is, a th is the number of murders in this country has gone from 1.5 million to 400,000. And that's pretty astounding, get astonishing, given the fact that our country is larger. And so if violent video, the increase in violent video games, the increase in violent movies and all that stuff were the cause, then the murder rate should have gone up. But it hasn't. It's gone down. We just have a lot of high-profile shootings. And the thing is, is it's, and the problem is, is if you really think about it, all it takes is just one of those things, the huge, to be all over the media, be all over the news. Just one shooting to squeeze through all of our systems. And here's the thing that we keep seeing is mental illness, mental health. And this happens a lot of shootings. Also, is a lot of these people had something going on in their lives. Maybe something tragic happened in their life and nobody reached out to them. We are in a country that's just so cruel to one another. I mean, the way that people are treating one another on the internet after the shooting. I mean, you look at that and the way people talk and the way people act and you wonder why things like this happen are so horrible to people. And see... What does that have to do with Black Panther and all these things about superheroes? It's like I said, they inspire us to be different. Inspire us to look at our world and how sick it is. Yes, we pray to God that he would change things. But you forget that God uses people quite often to do those things. He used Moses to lead the people out of the wilderness out of slavery. He used Joseph to save his family from starvation. He used his disciples to spread the gospel around the world. And to this day, he uses people to do so many things. I call this vocation. We look at this world and so many problems and you ask, what can we do? It starts with you. It starts with every one of us being halfway decent to one another. Being kind, caring, compassionate. Someone is suffering to listen to them, to talk to them, to be there for them. Movies like Black Panther inspire people that who had never seen somebody like them. The person, like I said, the person they look in the mirror. First time they saw that on screen. Strong African-American women scattered throughout that movie. Strong black men scattered throughout that movie. Doing what is right and being heroic. Fighting for something greater than themselves. For others. For love. For the nation. That... It's the kind of stuff we need, to, kids need to see. That maybe they'd be inspired to be a hero.
You know, I read, you know, after, you know, after that shooting, there's been trending where kids are asking the adults to do something. And they're partially right to do that, but I'm going to straight up tell you this. If you're a kid listening to this, if you want to see change, not to be cliched, but be the change. Be the difference. Be kind. Be understanding. You don't have to be kind and understanding of people. Does that mean you have to agree to certain things that people... It doesn't mean you have to approve of sinfulness or anything like that. We all have sins. We all have our struggles. We all have our weaknesses. We all have our failings. But we show love and compassion no matter what. If we were to actually do that, if we would be going back to another movie that's come out this year that got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, like Paddington 2, go watch that movie. It's a, it's a cute movie. It's a good, good, fun, happy movie. But it comes down to just being nice and kind and decent to people. Hopefully we'd be inspired to be that. So, there's my thoughts on, you know, Black Panther, Planet Comic Con. Uh, I went into the talk about the shooting in Florida. I didn't expect to do that. Uh, and I always go philosophical, go political. I talk about the issues and this this all went into it. So I hope this was a, an enlightening, hopefully this was halfway decent for you. Uh, until my next recording, who knows when that might be. It might be later this week, might be several years. Several months from now, who knows? Um, have a blessed day, a blessed ye evening, and go check out some good superhero movies. And if you live in the area of one, go find a good comic book convention. There's a couple awesome ones in Chicago coming up. C2E2, uh, the Hero and Villain slash Stalker um, conventions. Um, so go check those out. So until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.